Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. So uh, this is going to be episode 36 of season two of The Informed Catholic. Uh, I started doing the, um, on the podcast, the readings for Holy Week, the the liturgical readings, and uh, it seems I've gotten a good response from it. Uh, We are all all quarantined in. A lot of us are not going to be able to go uh, to Mass to take part in Holy Week, which is very sad, and it breaks my heart as well as it breaks your heart, I'm sure. We're starting, we're actually starting to value um, what we, what God has given us. And I think that's what he wants us uh, to understand, to value these sacred mysteries, these holy gifts that we have been given. And as I said um, in the previous podcast, we need to start to develop a culture of prayer, a culture of holiness, a culture of of uh, sanctification, a culture of the gospel. Not just be what you call uh, part-time Catholics. We need to be Catholic. We need to be uh, holy, not just at Mass, but in our daily lives, at work, with our friends, with our family, and even when we're alone. And we should be Catholic in in our entertainment, in our art. I know I struggle with that because I grew up, I wanted to study illustration and it didn't go as I, as it was planned for me. Um, you know, and I never thought I'd become Catholic. I converted. Um, I was born to a, a marriage where my father, he was Muslim and my mom is Catholic. Now I'm Catholic. I converted in my um, uh, later years and I'm happy. I'm happy. But often the uh, Catholic church I uh, came into, a lot of other Catholics, uh, I noticed, seem to not have valued it. Um, we we don't have, we don't live in villages the way centuries ago our Catholic ancestors did, where people knew each other and they knew the traditions, they knew the sacred um, prayers and everything. Um, you know, we pray to God, we wish that we had that, but the only problem is we are exactly where we're supposed to be. The problem is us. We don't value these things. We get distracted. And we don't realize that this world is temporary. You know, during this time of the year, we're supposed to meditate on the four last things. All right. Death, momento mori, remember you will die. Heaven and hell, and the last judgment. Okay, these are the things we're supposed to uh, meditate on. Momonte mori. Remember you will die. And that shouldn't be... It, yes, it's a shocker. It's frightening. But the fact is, the minute we're born, we're already on our road to death. Some earlier than others. Some a lot faster. Some tragic. Some holy. And let's remember 
that our Lord and Savior, he took on himself our frailties, our human nature, our fears, our joys, as well as uh, the beautiful things, as well as the ugly things of this world. He didn't, um, you know, he feared it, but his fear and his experiences were perfect and holy. He understands the human mind and human nature and human mannerism better than anybody. Better than any psychiatrist, any therapist, any doctor, any anthropologist, or any theologian. Because he understands what's in the heart of the human person, as the gospel says it. And he didn't hand himself over to any man until he willed it. And that came by his father's command. So without wasting any time, let's begin with the opening prayer. And I'll do the readings for Holy Wednesday. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will say the act of penance. I confess to Almighty God, to Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin, to Blessed Michael the Archangel, to Blessed John the Baptist, to the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul, and to all the saints, that I have sinned exceedingly in thought, word, and deed, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I invoke the Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin, Blessed Michael the Archangel, Blessed the John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul, and all the saints, to pray to the Lord our God for me. May Almighty God have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, Christe elision, Kiri elision. May the merciful Lord grant us pardon, absolution, and remission of all our sins. Amen. So I'll read the introduction to the uh, book of Isaiah. The hour of suffering advances. Jesus announces to the twelve, One of you will betray me. Shock waves hit the group. Each asks tremulously if he is the one. Only one knows with certainty that it is surely himself. Today I offer the Lord my company. So let's go into the entrance antiphon. It's from uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, 8, and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. For the Lord became obedient to death, death on a cross. Therefore, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. O God, who willed your Son to submit for our sake to the yoke of the cross, so that you might drive from us the power of the enemy, grant us, your servants, to attain the graces of the resurrection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. 
The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned my back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. He is near who upholds my right. If anyone wishes to oppose me, let us appear together. Who disputes my right? Let him confront me. See, the Lord God is my help. Who will prove me wrong? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So now we begin the uh, responsorial psalm. It's going to be Psalm 69. The response is going to be, Lord, in your great love, answer me. Let's begin. Lord, in your great love, answer me. For your sake I bear insult, and shame covers my face. I have become an outcast to my brothers, a stranger to my mother's sons, because zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who blaspheme you fall upon me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Insult has broken my heart, and I am weak. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For consolers, not one could I find. Rather, they put gall in my food. In my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Lord, in your great love, answer me. I will praise the name of God in song, and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. See, you lowly ones, and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the poor, and his own who are in bonds he spurns not. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Thanks be to God. Verse before the Gospel Hail to you, our King. You alone are compassionate with our errors. And there's another one. Hail to you, our King, obedient to the Father. You were led to your crucifixion like a gentle lamb to the slaughter. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that time on he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man 
and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him, one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is, it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If uh, any of you have been following my podcast, you've probably been noticed that I've been doing the um, meditations on the sadness of Christ on St. Thomas More. And um, it didn't come out, I think, uh, I'm going to have to admit now, the way I planned it. I really have a great admiration for Thomas More. Um, St. Thomas More was a layman, and that's one of the most... Uh, admirable things about him. He was a father, a husband, he was a lawyer, uh, he held several offices in um, in the time of Henry VIII. He was also Henry VIII's best friend. Uh, he was also close with St. John, um, John Fisher, that is Thomas More and John Fisher. And uh, More educated his family. Um, he really, he was like a priest, a father priest, like a lay person, a really holy. Thomas More wanted to become, he wanted to join, um, become a priest. I believe it was the Augustinian monks maybe, but I could be wrong about it, but he tried and, um, he found out that he was called to, uh, the married life and he was, a genius, but most of all, he was holy. And I, I you know, and I, I really admire the film, The Man for All Seasons. And there was a, a show, uh, a cable show called The Tudors. Um, unfortunately, they didn't give enough about Thomas More. The rest was all about Henry VIII's uh, sinful lifestyle. And there was a lot of... Um, not things that I would say fam family fr uh, family friendly or holy to look at, but it definitely, they didn't waste any time on the show to express the perversion of Henry VIII and his court. But uh, going back, more wanted, more was really focused on the, on the, the sufferings of our Lord in this, this particular book he wrote in the tower of London. And it was the last work he did. And his daughter, Margaret, took, uh, snuck it out. Um, and it, we are lucky to have it. Uh, Moore 
accepts the fact that Christ being human through his incarnation had human emotions, why would he choose to be human? The only thing is that Moore is overwhelmed, and I said it before in his writings, is that the fact that he wanted to, that mind-boggled Thomas More is that he would want to, and he chose to experience betrayal, pain, suffering, psychological, mental, where our Lord chose to experience all this. Now, the only difference is, and this is where a lot of scholars uh, can't deal with, is they cannot comprehend this. And some, even to their own uh, depriment, that they wound up becoming heretics like Arius or various other other scholars who went too far beyond um, the comprehension of the incarnation. You, you, in order for, to understand the incarnation, excuse me, the incarnation is that you have to stop at some point and accept it as faith. Accept it as part of the faith. There are certain things we will never comprehend. One of uh, the biggest problem, I think most scholars, and I think this is also the, the biggest problem in the, in Islam, the religion of my father, was they refused to accept the idea that God became a man, that God took on human form. In Islam, there are certain things that you cannot think or even accept or believe. God, they put a limit and they make God's, it's almost like the very person of God is bigger than God. It's a contradiction, but I think you'll have to understand what I'm trying to say. It could never happen. That's how Muslims see it. It could never happen. Allow himself to become a human, a creature, to actually become a baby, to actually become a creature that's dependent, that needs to be fed, that needs to have its diaper changed, that Muslims cannot accept. It's impossible. And then to allow himself to be hungry, to to actually have to perform all the functions that a human person has to perform and then to allow himself to be, to be mistreated, to be abused, beaten, spat upon, humiliated, degraded, monstrously abused, to be forced to carry his cross and then to fall on his cross to a filthy ground, to let his cross crush him, to let people throw things at him, and then to be nailed to the cross, that they cannot accept. Because God, it would never happen to God. Because God is God. So that, I remember G.K. Chesterton, this is where I, 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 got, I got this, and I thought he was a genius for saying it. They made God's dignity, God's glory, God's greatness greater than himself. Greater than his love. 
greater than his mercy, even though they call him merciful and compassionate. God's very dignity is far greater than that. And yet they don't understand that God's love, that God is love. What Christianity says, God is love. You can't separate God from love because God and love are one and the same. Now he, at the same time, this is something that some people have to understand. You cannot have love without justice. If he is truly love, then he is also truly justice. And this is important for us to understand because a lot of times we want to emphasize the love so so that way we give up, not forgive, but pardon and tolerate evil. This is, this is the new modern way of thinking. Well, God is love. And then they say, that was, you know, this is the God of the New Testament. That's not the God of the Old Testament. Wrong, wrong. Because the God of the Old Testament, sorry, I live in Brooklyn, so even though I have the windows closed, you're going to hear some sounds from outside. Um, the, the problem is they just don't want to face up to sin. And this is where justice comes in. This is where justice comes in. Now, the fact that we're living through this coronavirus, okay, they honked again. Let's hope it's the last time. They honk, you know, that we live in this age of the coronavirus, this, this particular Lent. We've been given a Lent that we'd, we would never choose is a fact that justice has to be answered. There is no justice without love and there is no love without justice. God will not be robbed. We're not Protestants. Once saved is always saved does not mean that, that you still don't have to come back after you sin and say, I am sorry. You still have to confess your sins and you have to own up to them and you have to go to confession. You have to make atonement for it. This is the problem with some Christians. The world, we are not in control of it. Christ came into a world where as a human being, he was subject to all these things of human, of that he, all humans are subject to, but, with, but he is still God. He let himself be subject to all these things. This is what, what amazed Thomas More, that he wanted to do this, that he wanted to do this, that he came down and actually wanted to. More accepts the reality in his book, in his writings, that he, that he's human. And so if he's human, he has to have all these things. But what mind boggles more, and this is where some scholars, unfortunately, fail to understand, that he would, that he wanted to. And it's, that's where the mystery is. And then now we come to the something else, the mystery of evil. Not like, the word mystery is the same term we use for the mystery of God's love or the mystery of the sacraments. No, that he allowed all the evil to do this to him, to humiliate him, that he permitted it is a mystery. But that the greatest mystery 
the most beautiful mystery is the mystery of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that is the, is the most powerful of all mysteries. And that's where we have to accept it. But always remember, remember when he got baptized and John the Baptist said, you come to me for baptism. It is I who should be baptized by you. What does he say? Let it be for now that all men may know that justice must be fulfilled. All right, that right there. And the fact that he willingly chose to be baptized is because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the love has to have justice. Real love has to, be, has to have justice. And real justice has to have love. And that's, that's it. The, I, I, that's how I comprehend it. And I, you know, I mean, maybe you, but I'm not a priest. But let's, let's really accept that. Um, I'm going to end it here. And uh, I'm going to say the Apostles' Creed. And then uh, we'll continue next time. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Okay, let's say a prayer for, uh, for the world. Let's say one Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And let's say a prayer for our Holy Father, Pope Francis. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's say a prayer for those who, are, who have been afflicted by the coronavirus. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. And let's say a prayer for the holy souls in purgatory. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So, so I'll just say the closing prayer here. Receive, O Lord, we pray, the offerings made here, and graciously grant that celebrating your Son's passion and mystery, we may experience the graces of its effects through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Endow us, Almighty God, with a firm conviction that through your Son's death in time to which the, re the revered mysteries bear witness, we may be assured of perpetual life through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Grant your faithful, O Lord, we pray, to partake in unceasingly of the Paschal mysteries, and to await with longing the gifts to come, that preserving in the scriptures of their rebirth, that may be led by Lenten works to answer of life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, folks. Uh, I'll come back with... Uh, we'll do the readings for Holy Thursday. And I'll do the readings for Good Friday as well. And uh, I'll share with you, hopefully, I'll try to do the um, as well the, um, the Easter Vigil as well. Uh, readings. I think this is a great thing. So let's remember we're Catholic and you could also do this with your family if you have a missile at home or take out a Bible and pray the rosary. Just because we're, we can't take part in Holy Week doesn't mean it, it's still not Holy Week for us. So God bless and be well. Amen. Thank you.